Good morning, church. What a blessing it is to, to be with you today. To, I'll talk a little bit about camp. I mean, the, Greg does a great job. Greg's been a champion for Camp of the Hills and what God's doing there for, I don't know, 17, 18 years. Um, and this congregation's certainly been a huge part uh, of our summer ministry. And so I just want to take a moment to say thank you for the investment that you've made into the lives of the kids that we serve. Uh, you know, I always tell all of our summer volunteer groups that we can't have summer camp without you. You know, having groups come alongside to, uh, to buy the food and cook the food, and more importantly, just serve and be present and show God's love through, uh, through the feeding of our kiddos, through the interactions, through the relationships that are built in that, just in that moment of, of uh, taking a, you know, family-style serving opportunity to the tables with our campers. And, uh, and like Greg said, you know, the, we've gotten great counselors from Cinco, uh, and y'all have been a huge part of, of our ministry in the summer. So thank you uh, for that. Uh, we have a lot of exciting things going on at camp, and I'm not we, we had a great video, and so if you don't know about camp, hopefully you learned a little bit. Uh, but if you want to learn more about camp, some of the things that we're doing, we've got exciting things happening this year. Uh, we're in the, in the midst of a master site plan. We're going to be building some new facilities. We've hired a few new staff. Uh, we've got things going on. If you want to learn more about that, we're having lunch afterward uh, at Rudy's Barbecue. Uh, I think some uh, and pretty much anybody's invited. I know I wanted to make sure that the folks who were part of camp in the past or present or even future uh, new to come, but if you just want to come learn more about camp, we'd love to have you join us for lunch today uh, to learn a little bit more about what God's doing there. Uh, well, again, I am delighted to be here this morning. I do have a short message uh, out of Isaiah, uh, and I didn't realize, I was thankful that, that the scripture was read, but I didn't know that it was going to be read in its entirety, which was about 40% of my time, so <laughs> we may end a little early. Uh, I'm, I'm not a trained preacher. It's not a gift. Uh, it's not my spiritual gift to teach or preach, uh, but I'm certainly delighted to get up and share God's word. Uh, and really, my goal today is for us to be challenged by the Holy Spirit to go out this week and look for opportunities to serve those around us. Uh, and I know uh, this congregation has a heart for that. Uh, I know that by your involvement in camp and the other things you're doing. Uh, but really, I just I hope that we're challenged to fully give ourselves to God and to others uh, as we go out this week and look for those opportunities. And so uh, as, as we get into uh, reflecting on the scripture, I really want us to think about it from a couple different ways. I want you to think about it from... Uh, you know, the things, the things that we're doing... Um, the things that this congregation is already involved in, but I also want you to think about it in the context, context of where you've been uh, and kind of where God has brought you, because I think these scriptures speak to uh, what we need to be doing as a, as a body of Christ, but I think it's also helpful to be reminded of where we came from uh, and to be reminded of what God has done in our lives. Uh, and so just kind of keep that in mind as we go forward. Uh, you know, if, if you had never read Isaiah 58, if you'd never come across that passage, um, you should, some of what was said should sound familiar if you're, if you uh, are familiar with the, the teachings and the, uh, in the words of Jesus. Uh, you know, in, uh, in Luke 4.18, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are downtrodden. Matthew 25, 35, Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick. You visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And finally, John 7, 38, Jesus says, who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. I think you can hear in the message of Isaiah and God's message to the people, um, you know, this very familiar theme uh, that God has here. And, and, and you can find it in the teachings of Jesus. You can find it throughout uh, the Old Testament. Um, Jesus taught uh, this release, this freedom that we can have. He, he taught what it meant to meet the needs of people where they're at. You know, God's heart for the foreigners and for the fatherless and for the widow is just, it, it's, it's throughout the entirety of scripture. You know, when God's people were coming out of Egypt uh, and they'd gone through their desert experience, this, this training ground to be, to be the kind of people that God wanted them to be uh, in Deuteronomy, the big theme of Deuteronomy is looking back God tells his people, don't forget where you came from. You know, you are stepping into a promised land. You are stepping in, uh, you, are, you are partnering with me to, uh, to change the world, to bring um, a reality of, of who God is to the world and God's love to the world. Uh, but don't forget where you came from. Remember what I did for you. Remember where you were at. Uh, and, and that's another theme that we just, as we think about this today, it's easy to look for needs and fill certain needs, um, but really that's driven by remembering where we're, where we're from. You know, if, um, you know, in this passage, you know, the burden of Isaiah uh, 58 is all about the ministry of Jesus. Um, and so we see Jesus reminding us of what we should be about but we always need to be reminded about where we came from because our heart to serve and our heart to give and, and, and to follow this, um, I really like, you know, this in Isaiah 58, it's like a doctor's prescription. It's like doctor's orders, you know, it's not a job description. I mean, you can kind of look at it that way, but I really like to look at it in the context of, hey, these are doctor's orders. This is what you need to be doing. This is the medicine you need to take. And uh, if, you, if you look at that from that regard, it's... Um, an opportunity for us to step in uh, and engage with what God's doing in the world. Um, you know, often I'm sure you can relate to this. In, in times in my life, I've often wondered, um, man, what am I doing? Where am I at? Why am I missing out on what I feel like God has for me? Uh, I often go through seasons and moments when God feels distant, when God feels like I'm, you know, that I'm, or just not connected, or maybe I'm just not paying attention. Uh, we go through these seasons of, of drought and seasons of dryness in our lives. And I think in what Isaiah 58 is showing us is that we're, we're been giving a prescription to deal with this in our lives. We've been given something that we can engage in God with. Uh, and so as we look back, I'd like to look at, the, uh, at this prescription again briefly. I'm going I'm to kind of highlight uh, a few of the things here that Isaiah uh, mentioned and what this fast that God chooses looks like. Uh, before I do that, just a quick observation about fasting. Um, you know, there's a few times in Scripture when fasting is used um, in the context of really seeking God's face. And those are legitimate things that, that, that God's people did. But in most instances in, in the Bible, fasting, God's usually looking at how people are fasting and going, you're doing it wrong. You've got this, you got it wrong. 
That's not what I want. And that's kind of what Isaiah is saying here. And God is saying, this, you know, your fasting is not what impresses me. You know, you, you know, sometimes we think of fasting as, you know, this thing that we do to make us more spiritual, when really I think it's the opposite. I think fasting uh, reminds us of our humanity. Uh, fasting reminds us of our humanness, of our brokenness, and of our need. Uh, and so as you think about the context of fasting and the fast that God chose uh, for his people here, you know, and how it's connected to humility, um, it's not to prove how spiritual we are, it's really just the opposite. Uh, and so it's something we can do when we're feeling prideful. Uh, you know, sometimes I can see the sense here in Isaiah that his pe- their people were prideful about their fast. And, and God's like, that's not the fast that I'm choosing for you. Um, and so we have to uh, go into it with a mindset of uh, putting ourselves in a position to hear God, but also being reminded of our humanness and our brokenness. Because if you've ever done any length of fast, uh, you get reminded of your humanness pretty quick. Uh, when you, when, of any kind, whether it's a food fast or something else. Uh, and so just kind of in that context, uh, I want to talk about that. I'm reminded uh, when I fast of how unimpressive I really am. And I think that's part of the point of fasting. It, it reveals our weakness. It, it, it opens us up, uh, certainly to hear God's voice. I don't think it's a magical formula to coerce God into hearing our, you know, well, if I fast long enough, maybe God will hear me or answer my prayers. I don't think that's what it's for. Uh, but I think we put ourselves in a position of humility uh, and God reveals what was there the whole time. We just couldn't see it because of our pride or our fear uh, or other things in our lives. So when God says, this is the kind of fast I have chosen, it's really a response and a correction to what the people were using uh, as fasting. Before we can engage in the things of God, we have to come to a place of humility. And I think that's what Isaiah 58 is saying, that, that we need to humble ourselves. We need to recognize our own brokenness. We need to remember where we came from uh, if we're going to engage in this ministry that God has called us to. Uh, because the world needs what we have. Uh, but we have to remember that we once were the world. Uh, and we once were the hungry and the lost uh, and the downtrodden uh, and the spiritually homeless um, And so remembering where we are puts us in a position to better serve. And so kind of keep that in mind as we go through this prescription here, if you will, uh, out of Isaiah 58. So part of that prescription, God says that we should set people free. You know, I love this. You know, we think about setting people free as God's job. uh, and, And don't get me wrong, I think he does the majority of the work, but he's calling us into partnership with him to do that, right? And so uh, Jesus spoke often and practiced even more setting people free, right? Lightening their load, giving them rest. Uh, and so uh, I, I read a quote this past week. I think it was uh, the great philosopher of Facebook. Uh, I think where I got it. Uh, Christianity should feel like my chains fell off, not you know, I should do better. And so it's this idea of freedom. If we don't feel free, uh, if we don't have freedom in our own lives, we cannot help others be free. Uh, And so this is idea of us living out our freedom in Christ and what that looks like and being able to pass that along. Uh, God also prescribes here uh, to feed the hungry. 
you know, this congregation does a great job of that. Obviously, the connection with camp, I mean, uh, I think, you know, Greg said it's like 600 meals a day uh, for five and a half days, and they all have been doing that for 18, 19 years. Uh, if you do the math, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of food. That's a lot of feeding the hungry. Uh, I know, I think y'all just got this weekend, uh, a lot of y'all may have participated in, in packaging up meals and feeding the hungry. Uh, I mean, so you as a congregation get that, the importance of that. Uh, you know, when we recognize that how many children die of hunger on a daily basis across the world, uh, you know, it awakens us to, to the reality that we have been called to feed uh, the hungry, and not just not also just in the physical sense, but also in the spiritual sense. Uh, and those are the opportunities that we have each day. Uh, he also God prescribes here um, to house the homeless. Uh, you know, I think that's important. And as I thought about how to, and that certainly means physically. You know, there's lots of folks out there uh, that are homeless uh, that don't have homes for different reasons. Uh, but even, but also think about it in a spiritual sense. You know, how many folks do you rub shoulders with on a daily basis, maybe at work, uh, maybe in your own family, maybe just out at the grocery store who are spiritually homeless? You know, we can provide, you know, what, a home is a safe place. It's a warm place. It should be an inviting place. Um, you know, one of the things that the, our campers, when we ask them, you know, hey, what do you, what do you think of when you think about camp? Uh, there's a lot of them say it's like home. It's like, it's like home away from home, or it's like a home to me that I've never had. And so we have an opportunity to, to house the homeless by, by offering up uh, the warmth and the inviting nature of God's people. We should be a, a people of hospitality. Uh, and so, uh, again, physical homelessness is a thing. I don't want to downplay that. But what, who in your life, what are the people that you'll come across this week that are spiritually homeless? He also tells us to clothe the naked. Again, a very uh, physical thing in the sense that we provide clothes. You know, one of the things at camp is we have this huge uh, laundry room and we collect clothes year round. We have some kids, campers that show up for camp and they don't have anything but a, maybe a bag of, of a couple things. And so we provide clothing for them. They get to keep that. We, we get all different sizes. Um, but what does that mean spiritually? Uh, you know, as I was thinking through that and what that would look like, I thought about my wife. Um, we had a death in the family recently. We were at a service yesterday. And my wife and I were talking about, it was, a, it was her cousin. Her cousin's husband died at a very young age. And we were just kind of thinking through of how can we support her? How can we love on her? Um, and really just being present. Uh, you know, sometimes things like this in life happen and people feel exposed. They feel spiritually naked. And, and what can we do to clothe folks that way? And no, just sometimes it's just presence. Sometimes it's giving them that warm blanket of just love and comfort and presence. Um, and so again, clothing the naked is a physical thing, but what does that look like spiritually uh, in your life this week? Uh, God certainly told us to not just be sympathetic, but feel compassion I'm going to read a quote here in a minute out of a book uh, that's going to kind of speak to that, so I'll just pass on over that. But think about sympathy versus compassion, uh, what that is. He obviously prescribes us to love him and to love others, you know, the great commandments there. Uh, and really just to give ourselves away. Uh, you know, the great paradox of life uh, for us Christians is that if we really want true life, we have to die to ourselves. 
Um, I mean, that is giving ourselves away. What does that look like for you this week? Uh, so ministry to the world, uh, and especially those, you know, ministry to the poor in the world is not just about providing material things. Um, it's not just relief, it's relationship. And, and I think that's important. One of the things we value and we, I think we do really well at camp is build relationships with our campers uh, and with each other. Uh, and as you all know, as you know, relationships is what brings people to come to know Christ. Um, you know, not a, not a good sermon or, a, you know, not a well-written, um, you know, thing to say. It's when you really get to know people and that compassion of walking alongside them in whatever it is they're going through. And when we do those things, this prescription that God's given us, God has some promises uh, and God is faithful. Uh, here are some of the promises out of Isaiah 58. Uh, God says that your dark, the darkness in your life will become light. Um, you know, we're called to be salt and light. We, we should be um, bringing light into dark places. Uh, he also said uh, that he will give you physical strengthening. Uh, I mean, there's a physical aspect to this. When we're going about God's work, he gives us what we need to do that. Uh, God says that he'll be in front of us, behind us, in the midst of us with glory and righteousness. Uh, you know, I think that's a great thing. I'm, uh, I'm rereading a book, an old classic that some of y'all may be familiar with. It's uh, Practicing the Presence of God uh, by Brother Lawrence. And just the incredible idea that as we go through our day, every moment we have, God's always here. Um, and he's always in us and around us. And, uh, and so it's the recognition of that. What do we do to recognize God's presence? Because when you put your, when you come to a recognition that God's here, um, it, it kind of changes, changes your steps, changes your path, changes what you're doing, what you're saying, what you're thinking. Um, he also promises to guide us continually. Uh, any of y'all ever feel any lost, you know, just going throughout your week, just not sure what to do, not sure what to do next. Maybe it's a circumstance, maybe it's something going on with your kids or at work, and you just feel lost. God promises to be a guide, uh, to show us the way. He certainly says that he will satisfy our soul. When, when we do take the, uh, the prescription and put it in practice, he's going to satisfy us. Um, I mean, that's one of the biggest um, things in our culture, I think, that we need, that we need to be a people that, hey, we are, we are content. We are at peace because of who God is and what God's doing. Man, there's a lot of turmoil in the world, as you all know, uh, you know, besides just stuff that's happening here, the stuff in Ukraine and COVID, I mean, it's just kind of, you look around the world or read the news and uh, it seems pretty chaotic. Um, but God says when you go about these things, he's going to satisfy you. He's going to give you peace. Uh, he also says that he will make you a watered garden with springs that do not fail. Uh, you know, I love the imagery there. Uh, I was just recently doing a study about... Um, you know, the Hebrew folks back in the, when the Bible was written were from a very, uh, I mean, desert landscape, right? And, and we were doing this study on the deserts and the wadis and the gettys and all these really interesting study because, uh, because water was a big deal uh, in the desert culture, right? And so to be, uh, for God to make a promise that, he, that we're going to be like a well-watered garden, um, that springs that do not fail, uh, I mean, that's fullness, that's provision, that's something that, you know, uh, desert people in that culture, I mean, that was uh, deep and significant. Uh, 
Uh, and finally, God says, if you give yourselves to the poor, he will restore the ruins of the city and his people. One translation I like is that you'll be called repairer of the breach and restorer of the streets. Uh, you know, I love that idea that God says, you know, if you, if you go about this uh, thing that I'm calling you into, when you recognize your own brokenness, and out of that brokenness, you want to help other people, man, I'm going to repair things that are broken. You know, I, I am going to restore uh, things that have been, um, uh, been destroyed. And so it's a great, uh, great reminder that as we partner with God that we get to be, have these promises uh, here in Isaiah 58. Uh, and so, you know, how many ruined things can be repaired if we give ourselves uh, away? And, and that's just kind of the challenge and the call to us is what opportunities do we have to give ourselves fully to God and fully to others uh, this week? Uh, oftentimes, those are people that are oppressed or outcast or broken uh, or living in brokenness. Um, but again, when we're reminded that that's where we were, we remember that's where we came from. It kind of puts our heart in a position uh, to do that. Uh, you know, our mission as a people of God is not to predict what neighborhoods are going to look like or what cities or nations are going to look like. Uh, we're just to trust and obey God's prescription in this life, which is, again, kind of outlined here in Isaiah 58 of um, giving ourselves fully I'm going to read a quote here out of a book I read many years ago. Um, I mentioned kind of the feeling of sympathy versus compassion. And it says here, we feel bad. We recognize need. We talk about it with others, buy the t-shirts, and even read the books. But so often we fall short of doing anything. We often confuse the heart of compassion that requires a response with the feeling of sympathy that remains idle. Most of us hear about need and sympathize, but that's not compassion. It's not justice. It's not mercy. Sympathy remains only sympathy until we do something about it. Then it becomes an act of compassion, an appropriate response to the call of need. Justin Dillon described it best. A call is someone sharing their need, sharing their oppression. A response is someone saying, I hear you, I get you, and here's what I'm going to do. There was a quote, anonymous quote. I think they actually made a song about it recently. This was way before the song, I think. But it said, sometimes I would like to ask God why he allows poverty, suffering, and injustice when he could do something about it. But I'm afraid that he would ask me the same question. If anything, we need more healing. It's how we deal with the needs of the world. If, if the statistics don't create a sense of indignation in us, then we should pray. If God's words do not create a sense of indignation for our condition, lack of concern, or neglect, we should pray that they do. Pray that the Holy Spirit convicts us. Pray that our minds are renewed. I know that Cinco Ranch Church of Christ is not just about knowing Jesus but following Jesus. I've seen it in the way you've loved Camp of the Hills. I see it the way you love the world and the things that you're doing in the community. Um, and I'm so appreciative of that. And I, I'm so thankful for the investment that you make in the work that God's doing at camp um, in, in your community and around the world. And so I really believe you all uh, have shown that you understand 
compassion versus sympathy. We all can feel bad about circumstances in the world, but many of you have decided to step into that and walk alongside folks in their pain, which is uh, the definition of compassion. So thank you again uh, for seeing God's work uh, at Camp of the Hills, and thank you for partnering with us in that and choosing to partner uh, with what God's doing, uh, not just at camp, but in the world uh, that desperately needs us to be the salt and light that he's called us to be. May the God of peace be with you.